I think the root of the problem was that when life is easy, when you have the good job and you have the sort of security blanket and you're in the confines of this like walled garden that is a big company, it's it's sort of easy to be like, this sucks. What I'm in now sucks and what I'm going to go do next is going to be so much better. But the reality is like, yes, your day-to-day life will change a lot when you go full-time on your business, but there's a lot of menial day-to-day stuff that <laughs> that doesn't really change, right? Like you still go to the gym, you still put your pants on one leg at a time, you still have kind of the same friends and like you still use Gmail and Skype and, and your MacBook or whatever it is, right? Most ads that grace your Facebook or Instagram feed are selling every business owner's fantasy. More money with a heck of a lot less work. Get paid to be you. Use this three-step formula to finally find true freedom. Now, most of these ads look pretty much the same because they're selling an end result, an outcome that inspires you to buy. There are photos of beautiful destinations. There are videos with soft, natural lighting. There are charts that only point upward. And what most of them leave out is how it's all going to come to fruition. Sure, there are blog posts, email courses, and webinars that will tell you more about what happens in between now and full fantasy realization, but the details are in the product they're selling or the service they're offering. And rightfully so. If you have a product that has the potential to create the ultimate fantasy for your customer, you should absolutely get paid for that. Now, of course, what happens between the now and full fantasy realization, that's where our brains start to play tricks on us. Now, this doesn't just happen with business training or services either. It happens anytime someone is selling wellness, weight loss, retirement planning, relationship coaching, fitness, personal styling. In fact, most consumer industries are all about fantasy fulfillment. We know that it will take time and work to create our dream outcome. We know there will be detours to follow and mistakes made. We know it's never quite as easy and straightforward as it seems. And yet, we forget. We fixate on the fantasy and forget reality. You're listening to What Works, the show that transcends the hype to bring you candid conversations about what's really working to run and grow a small business today. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Now, while we're fixating on the fantasy, we get careless. We assume that our dream of working from the beach, traveling full-time, putting the kids through college, or say, building a custom tiny house in the Flathead Valley of Montana is just right around the corner, and we act like our success is a foregone conclusion. Now, this is where the story starts with today's guest, Tommy Griffith. Tommy is the founder of ClickMinded, a comprehensive digital marketing training company that started as a simple in-person SEO workshop. I'll let Tommy tell you the whole story, but suffice to say that it includes leaving a great job at Airbnb, living abroad, fantasies of working from the beach, food poisoning, ruining $50,000 worth of work, and being robbed. Through it all, Tommy persevered. And the story, a happy one, ends with a pretty unexpected move to bring the company into its next stage. Tommy and I chat about why he made the decisions he did, how he kept going when things were nowhere near awesome, and how his expectations routinely got in the way of his execution. Now, let's find out what works for Tommy Griffith. Tommy Griffith, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Tara, thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. So let's let's just 
get started with the day everything probably one of the days everything's changed for you. <laughs> Tell me about the day you decided to quit Airbnb to pursue ClickMinded full time. Oh man. Um I yeah, I actually have a photo of that day. I was I was walking out of the office and I um I took a <laughs> I took a really dorky photo of this like it was like raining and it was really dark and I tried like tried to make it this like really dramatic moment and I sent that photo <laughs> I sent that photo to my family and some of my friends and they were all like dude shut up it's Tuesday <laughs> like like you're you're being overly dramatic about it but it was a big deal for me right so um yeah I had uh, I had been working on a side project for a really long time um, I was at a really good job. And I eventually got to the point where um, I was ready to go full time on it. I'd been living in San Francisco for six years, um, and at that point, decided to take the plunge and and go full time. Um, I left the country, well, went went all in on the whole business. Left the country, went traveling around and working on the business, and uh, a number of things happened from that moment on. But it really did kind of feel like uh, what's that? What's that dorky cliche? Uh, today's the first day of the rest of your life. It really, <laughs> it really did kind of feel like that, you know? Yeah. All right. So we're going to get into that whole story and kind of how you kept going through that story, because you certainly had some ups and downs. Um, but I want to know how you actually made the decision that it was time to turn the side gig into the full-time gig. Like you said, you had a great job. You were doing really well. Um, in many ways, you, you know, the position that you had and the, and I'm sure the lifestyle that you had was very enviable. How did you know you were ready to make the leap to working for yourself? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. So um, I think backing up a little bit, my story kind of started by, by having an absolutely devastating failure early on. So <laughs> Um, yeah, so I graduated university, um, I studied finance and I graduated right at the height of the recession in 2008 and couldn't find a job. Didn't even think I really wanted a, a, a job like, you know, in banking or anything like that. And my, 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 uh, sort of push towards internet marketing was this book, the four hour work week. Do you ever read this by Tim Ferriss? Are you familiar with I'm it? I'm very familiar with it, but I've never read it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of people for the uninitiated, it, it's pretty standard stuff now, but, the, but it was basically one of the first books to kind of give everyone permission to create remote businesses. This book was kind of the catalyst for like people creating remote teams and remote companies and, and things like that. It's pretty out of date now, but, um, it motivated a lot of people and it certainly motivated me. I, I kind of got into internet marketing after reading this book in 2008. I graduated university and was reading reading this book in a hammock in my, in my parents' home in New Hampshire. And um, and I created my first like online product. I created this really uh, nerdy ebook and, and tried to figure out like, okay, how do I get this to the top of Google to rank for my, my keywords? And that took me down this like you know, 10 year path of, of, of doing search engine optimization. Um, I got, I got really into internet marketing and a friend of mine and I tried to start a company shortly after university. Um, and it failed miserably. I was, I was one of these guys who was very blessed. I graduated school with no debt and I ended up putting myself into debt trying to start this business with a friend of mine. It was an absolutely absurd business idea. We started a medical tourism facilitation company oh, in, in Taiwan. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. 
it was pretty random. Uh, and the basic idea was like there are certain procedures in the U.S. that are extremely expensive, and overseas they can be um, much less expensive, right? And 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 the idea was I just learned search engine optimization and, and paid advertising, and you know, can we get people to find our website and 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 sign up for these services? And I just did everything wrong. I did <laughs> I did everything wrong. I wasn't interested in the topic. I didn't know about the topic. Um, you know, just did everything wrong. And so kind of came home, tail between my legs, you know, like, hey, mom, hey, dad, <laughs> like, is there room on the couch? You know, that that kind of thing. And, but it was just kind of the right place, right time. It, uh, PayPal was hiring an SEO manager. Um, I ended up moving out to California. And and that was the next phase of my, my career. I spent two years managing search engine optimization at PayPal and four years managing search engine optimization at Airbnb. And kind of while I was there, I was really embarrassed by this this debt I had put myself into with this initial first dumb, dumb idea. And so I was trying a number of different side projects on the side. Um, and eventually the one that hit was, was search engine optimization training. So it's click-minded uh, is now a digital marketing training course. We teach marketers and entrepreneurs how to do digital marketing. But it started with in-person SEO classes. So I kind of started teaching in-person classes in San Francisco. Um, it then turned into an online course and it grew and grew and grew and grew from, from there. After about three years, it eclipsed my salary. And after um, a few more years after that, I ended up leaving Airbnb to, to go full time on it. So I think like the, the decision calculus around it um, can be really tricky because, you know, I, I guess if you hate your job, it's really easy, right? <laughs> like it's pretty straightforward. You know, what's my cost of living? What's my, my, my revenue number? And the minute that threshold crosses, you're gone. But um, I had a couple of things going on. One was I liked my job, right? I, I liked my job and I kind of felt unaccomplished there. I still wanted to do a lot of stuff. And the other one was the wounds were fresh for me. Like I knew kind of how bad it can go um, when you when you go full time on it. I knew exactly how bad it could go. I, I had just done that. So um, I probably left a little later than I, than I could have for sure. But for me, it was like a lot more sort of emotional, emotional and personal decisions around whether or not I was ready as opposed to like whether or not the revenue was there. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Okay, so let's talk about what happened then after <laughs> you left because it was a lot. Like you packed a lot into the two years since, or a little over two years since you've left Airbnb. Um, and there have been a lot of ups and downs. So let's start with when you decided to leave San Francisco. First off, why did you decide to leave San Francisco? Yeah. So um, I was, you know, like I said before, I I really did like my job and, um, you know, I still had friends there. I was liking all that, but I was really over San Francisco, actually. I, <laughs> I was so annoyed with San Francisco. Um, you know, it was okay when I first got there, but um, it's, it's a really bad place to live if you're building kind of a, a lifestyle business mm -hmm. or kind of like an, a company with, you know, five or fewer employees. Um, and so the minute I left... One thing I did, the basic plan was, okay, ClickMinded is this online search engine optimization training course. I'd been using it at work to train up my colleagues and teammates. And now I wanted to pivot it out to a more comprehensive digital marketing training. So like seven courses, bring on new people, new instructors, and go head to head with like these coding and internet marketing boot camps and universities and all kinds of different, different people. And I was also very wrapped up in this sort of digital nomad 
thing that's going on. I really drank a lot of the Kool-Aid on my Instagram feed, right? <laughs> that's all I saw. It's embarrassing to say, but you know, I saw all these the most beautiful people you've ever seen in your life drinking coconuts on the beach with their laptops. And I was like, I want that too, right? Totally. <laughs> and, and I really took the bait on this hard when I shouldn't have. Um, one thing I did that, that, you know, was a huge disservice was I think I set my expectations way too high for myself when I decided to leave. So um, I eventually left, said goodbye to family and friends, went out and filmed a new version of of the product, right? So, so basically, um, put a bunch of money into upgrading and improving the product, expanding it to seven courses, and finally got to Bali, right? And I was like, tr- finally ready to, you know, fulfill my dream. I'd been, I'd been thinking about this for so long. I'd probably been planning it for a little under a year, and I was so excited. I was so fired up. And the minute I got there, it was terrible. I was robbed by the police <laughs> the first day I got there. Um, I started throwing up from food poisoning a few days after that. The The new version of the product, I just spent $15,000 filming the new version of the product. And uh, it was raining really hard when we were filming it on this warehouse I'd rented. And so all the audio was warped and distorted. And so I, I, thought, I'd, I thought I'd completely lost all the footage I just filmed. And so I'm sitting in Bali. It'd been like a week. I'd just been robbed by the police. I was throwing up everywhere. I was clutching this external hard drive with $15,000 worth of garbage footage that (laughs) (laughs) wasn't anything. And I'm sitting back thinking about like all you can eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at Airbnb and the the beanbags and the MacBooks and like the cool colleagues and the Airbnb credit and this like really kind of easy life. And it started pouring raining <laughs> while I'm while I'm there. I'm just looking up at the sky, like, what am I doing? Right? Like, why am I here right now? Um, and so it was it was it was really brutal. Not only did it not go well when I first left, but my expectations were that it was going to be incredible. And if you marry these two things together, it is a recipe for an uh, an absolute dumpster fire of a life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was it was hard to get out of that for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I want to dig into this a little bit more. And I, I'm hoping to come back to the setting expectations piece because I think that's really huge. But first, like I have to know what was going on in your head during that time. Like you, you said, I'm sitting there, I'm in the rain. Uh, this whole situation is, as you put it, a dumpster fire. Why are you here? But um, there had to be more than that, right? Because obviously you're here. ClickMinded is still here. You are still growing this business. So something happened that you stuck with it. What? How were you coaching yourself through that time? What were you telling yourself at that moment to convince yourself to keep going? Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting thinking about the resilience. Um looking back, right, about like what the decisions were and and things like that. To be honest, um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say here and say that I, I never give up, right? Like I give up on stuff all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know we're supposed to be talking about what makes us the most resilient, but um, yeah, I mean, like I'm, I'm, uh, I give up on stuff all the time. And this one I absolutely did, did not give up on. And I think the Thinking back, I I really don't think there was um, there was anything other than I, I wrote this blog post recently 
um, kind of summarizing the last two years of of how it's all gone. And I titled it Burning the Boats. Mm-hmm. And the, the basic idea was, yeah, I got rid of my apartment, gave away or sold everything I had, put my whole life into one backpack and, and took off. And I really didn't give myself another choice. Um, and I, I, I really think that was the only way I would have been able to do it, right? Uh, I, I have a lot of friends and and family members and things like that that are at companies now, and they're they're toying with this idea a lot of like, okay, they have a side project or they're thinking about starting a side project, and they don't know how to take the next step or they don't know when to to make the leap. And the problem is this: is like the the more comfortable your life is, and the more options you have, and the better off you are, the harder it is to to pull the trigger, and the easier it is to give up, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me. Um, really the only way I, I was able to plow through was because there wasn't another choice, right? I, I flew to Bali, paid $15,000 for the footage and had a one-way ticket in a backpack. And I didn't really, I mean, you know, what was I going to do? Um, go back and become an accountant or something like that, right? So um, yeah, I think it's interesting. At least that's the way my sort of mind works with a lot of this stuff is if I have a a goal and a plan and something I want to try and accomplish. I like to sort of engineer, um, engineer a way where I have to do it. Right. There, there's other examples too, around like self-improvement and personal motivation that people do this. Like you, you pay in advance for your personal trainer so that it forces mm-hmm. you to go, or you, you put the, the alarm on your phone on the other side of the room. So it forces you to get out of bed and go turn it off and not just snooze it. Right. So there's like, some things you can do where you you know you want the goal and you have to trick your future self, right? And that's really what I did was I sort of gave myself no other options. So you know I'm talking about this 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 hor- this awful situation I was in, but was it really that awful? No, I mean I'm being a little bit of a drama queen. At the end of the day, <laughs> what what you know what happened? The police stopped robbing me. I stopped throwing up. I found a, I found a, a, a freelancer. It was actually a, a DJ in Moldova who was like an audio remastering expert who helped me fix all the audio. It's like I got through it, right? But um, I think the bigger, the the biggest culprit, the, the the most dangerous thing of the whole part were my own expectations. Mm-hmm. I was I was I was so um, in anticipation of, of this amazing life. And the reality was, um, it was a grind at the beginning, you know? Yeah, totally. Were you ever thinking about the first company that you started while this was all happening? Wow. It's such a, it's such a good question. Um, to be honest with you. Yeah. And this is so dumb. And, uh, I don't know if other people think this way as well, but I was so embarrassed <laughs> by the first failure. Um, even though, you know, what I kind of learned later on in life is that no one cares. No one, everyone's so kind of obsessed with themselves that they 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 often don't care about your successes or your failures or anything like that. But I I I failed so kind of spectacularly that um, I really wanted to to prove myself again. And yeah, that I, maybe that was a little bit of the motivation was I, I just felt like such a bozo the first time around that I <laughs> I wanted to, to give it another shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, completely. No, I know, I know completely what you mean. <laughs> You'll hear how Tommy started to turn things around by making the unusual move of bringing on a partner late in the game in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partner. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. 
Look, both content marketing and social media marketing, they're changing. People are becoming more and more careful with the way they spend their time online. They're craving more genuine connection with the right people, more than they're looking to connect with the whole wide world. They're also becoming a lot more careful with the information they're consuming online. They're slower to give out their email addresses and they're weary of your sales funnels. But changing trends in online behavior, well, they don't have to spell disaster for your online business, nor does it mean it's impossible to get a new business off the ground today. Today, more than ever, people are searching out trusted sources for connection, information, inspiration, and ideas. They might be wary of billion-dollar corporations banking on algorithms, but they're excited about the people and brands who are making a genuine effort to understand their problems and create innovative solutions. That's where you come in. And it's also where Mighty Networks comes in. Mighty Networks helps you connect with your audience like you've never been able to before. Start conversations, answer questions, share articles, build online courses, create private or premium groups. Mighty Networks puts you in control of creating the ultimate social, educational, or support network for your right people. Here at What Works, Mighty Networks helped us unlock our mission of connecting 10,000 small business owners and level the playing field for success as an entrepreneur today. To find out more about what you can build with Mighty Networks and give it a try for free, go to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. Okay, so you did start to, tr- you you kept going, you started to turn things around. Um, and at some point, you reached out to an old friend or a colleague of yours named Eduardo. How did Eduardo come into the picture? Yeah, so um, to, like I said before, ClickMind had started as an offline in-person SEO course, uh, physically teaching classes on Saturday mornings in San Francisco at, at co-working spaces. Uh, that eventually became kind of the right place, right time to turn it into an online course. This would have been around 2012. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of the middle of this online course renaissance that we're in. Yep. Um, I took this offline course, put it online, and it really started to, to blow up from there. Um, I had used, I was a teacher at a university in San Francisco as well. And every summer I taught a course and I usually took on one apprentice. Um to help out with stuff or someone that wanted to learn a lot. And the last apprentice I had was was just incredible. Eduardo, he was at the university I was a teacher at. And I got to this point in the business where things started to turn around. I started to 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 um to sort of fix things. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't throwing up and getting robbed, but uh <laughs> so that was an improvement. But I still didn't really know where to take the business. And I basically sent a Hail Mary email to Eduardo, who I had worked with before and who I really trusted. And we talked a little bit about it. And I did the very controversial move of bringing on a co-founder in probably year five right. of the of the business. Um after all <laughs> after what some people I've gotten mixed mixed feedback on this. Some people would argue all the hard work is done at that point. Why in God's name would you bring someone on um, that late? Other people have said that it's actually a brilliant move because you know exactly the type of partner you need. You know kind of how to split things up and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, But yeah, it, it came um, to the point where I realized I wasn't good enough 
for the next stage. I love starting things. I love um, sort of getting people initially excited about things. I'm, I'm sort of the guy who I was able to grow the business from zero to the first $150,000 and the first you know 30,000 email addresses, things like that. But I really wasn't capable for the next level. I think I was going to plateau. And Eduardo is one of these guys who um, he's not as interested in starting stuff, but he's in he's a really incredible sort of operations and process and like optimizer. Right. And so it just was this really nice combination where I sort of said, Hey, here's, here's all the users. Here's all the revenue. Here's what I want to do next. What do you think? And he was just like, hold my beer, get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. That's so awesome. And I totally know what you mean about like the idea of not being good enough for the, the next stage. And also like being really good at starting, being really good at that initial like excitement phase and then really good at needing to hand it off. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious though, what, what made you decide that it needed to go to the next stage? Like why pursue the next level instead of being happy with where it was? And, and maybe that plateau was still like a healthy revenue and healthy profit for you. Oh man, this is really your question is like, what is the meaning of life at this well, point, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, so like, uh, we're, I'm personally, and we are personally motivated by the space we're in. Digital marketing training mm-hmm. right now um, is garbage. Most people are self-taught. Um, there's free blog posts and YouTube videos, but there's also universities that offer master's degrees in digital marketing that are complete scams. I mean, yeah. they're completely garbage. They cost forty to hundred thousand dollars a year. They're absolutely pointless. No one in Silicon Valley or any any serious companies would ever look at these degrees. And so it's just uh, there's inadequate. There's significantly more people are going to need this over the next ten or twenty years, and it's in- incredibly inadequate now. So um, yeah, we I mean, we have plans to. I I, I kind of just didn't want it to be just Tommy's Tommy's little SEO course. I wanted to. Um, to go bigger with it and to help more people and to grow the business more and, and that kind of stuff. So um, that's exciting to me. I think I would have been would have been bored if I kept it at the at the last level. But I was also very cognizant of the fact that I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. to get it to the last level, next level as well. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, okay. So you wrote something really what I found really compelling in the the Burning the Boats blog post, which was that when Eduardo came on um, as your co-founder, you discovered that he actually had a stronger vision for the company than you did. And that that is what allowed you to then take things to the next level. It, it, it kind of, I guess, created that direction for you. How has his vision for the company actually changed your own mindset and approach when it comes to the business today? It's so cool that you noticed that. Um, <laughs> and most people who've read that, they're like, "Oh, that post was cool. Cool gifts, right?" Or like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like funny one-liners. Um, but, but yeah, I'm so glad you noticed that because that was everything. That yeah. that was the crux. That was that's what changed everything. Yeah, if you like, if you close your eyes and you think about all of the stereotypes around starting a small business, or starting a startup, or a side project, or anything like that, the way it's always supposed to go is. Um, you're the founder and you have the vision and and you're going to f- inspire people to join your team and inspire your customers and all this kind of stuff. And the reality was after realizing what this could be and then speaking with Eduardo, my now co-founder, he was a much more solid customer avatar 
for who we should be targeting. Mm. And his vision for what this could be was a lot stronger than mine. And that's not how it's supposed to go, right? You're, su- you're supposed to be the one leading the charge on this. And I, I thought I had a good idea of, of where I wanted to take it. I was pretty happy with it. It was kind of what I just described around like, um, you know, expanding to a, a digital marketing training boot camp and that kind of stuff. But Eduardo was genuinely angry with the industry. So right now, like there's a, there's a, there's a digital marketing media, there's digital marketing and, you know, there's tools and people who work in it and, and that kind of stuff and, and agencies and consultants, but there's also digital marketing media, which are basically the blog posts and email lists and sites and sometimes even magazines that basically kind of update you on, on digital marketing. And we're very annoyed with them. They are really no different than the gossip magazines on the counter at the grocery store, right? They're, they're, they push out 10, 10 blog posts a day on you know the 17 ways to massively increase your Twitter followers in, in 2020 or whatever it is. And um, it's just very anxiety-inducing and it's, it's all clickbait and, it's, and they're optimizing for page views. And Eduardo was like, we, we were having bars and we were having beers at a bar in Brooklyn talking about this, like talking about the next phase of this. And he was like pounding his fists on the table, angry about this, like much more passionate to be frank than, than me. And, uh, and so when he kind of laid out his plan, it was like, um, let's go with your idea. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people aren't willing to do this. If you build your business, especially with me, you know, you know, I got into a few thousand paid users, 150,000 something in revenue, five years into the business. Um, a lot of people don't want to give up control and they don't want to get out of the way. But for me, it was, it was more like, I know what I'm good at and I know what I like to do. And I really agree with, with this guy's vision a lot more. I'm just going to, sit in the the passenger seat on this one and that was the moment where where everything changed i also took that strategy to to all of my team i've hired now which is we have uh you know a video um kind of editor expert and like a google analytics and tracking expert and some content experts and i've largely just found people that really 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 love what they do i've asked them what they want to work on and then i get out of their way and it's it wasn't because I'm this genius. At first, it was just because I'm I'm dumb and I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> right? But it ended up being like the accidentally correct move. You know, surprise, surprise. Smart, ambitious people want autonomy mm-hmm. and they want to work on what they want to work on, and they want you to not micromanage them. Like shocker, we're all we're all shocked by that, right? So, um, yeah. So it, that ended up being the right move. Was like kind of asking people what they think is the right direction, and then just being confident enough to to let them run with it. And so far, it's worked for us. So. I love that. Um, so I want to come back to one of the themes that have come that's cropped up a couple times, and I promised we'd come back to that, and that's expectations. You said that when you got to Bali, your expectations were just so high there was no way that they could have been met. And I think you know at different times throughout this process, probably your your expectations were not the same as reality and that that created maybe some of the the heartache or the frustration that you felt at different times. How is the way you set expectations for yourself or maybe manage expectations for yourself today different than it was before? Ooh. Um yeah, this is a a great one. So, yeah, I mean, I think the reality I, I think the root of the problem was that when you're 
when life is easy, when you have the good job and you have the sort of security blanket and you're in the confines of this like walled garden that is a big company, um, it's, it's sort of easy to be like, this sucks. What I'm in now sucks and what I'm going to go do next is going to be so much better. But the reality is like, uh, yes, your day-to-day life will change a lot when you go full-time on your business. But um, the reality is like, there's a lot of menial day-to-day stuff that <laughs> that doesn't really change, right? Like you still go to the gym, you still put your pants on one leg at a time, you still have kind of the same friends and like you still use Gmail and Skype right. and, and your MacBook or whatever it is, right? And for some reason, I thought every single aspect of my life would be wildly different. And of course that, that, that wasn't true. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, now it's interesting because my mindset has obviously changed a lot. Like before I was showing up for a salary and you're sort of like living to, uh, living to accomplish your, the goals that your manager sets for you and things like that. And now it's more like, okay, my inputs and outputs are directly related to whether or not I'm paying rent this month. Right. That, (laughs) that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, much more when you're skin when you have skin in the game, you're much more focused on outcomes, and um, my expectations aren't really about like, oh, life is going to be so much better when it's more about like I have to do these things today mm. in order in order to in order to to go where I want to go. You know what I mean? So it's 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 kind of more like um, I don't. I think when you're at a big company, you can be guilty of just planning and planning and planning and planning and planning and never pulling the trigger. And that's where the expectations derive from. But when you're working on your own thing, you just don't have time to <laughs> to set expectations. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I appreciate that idea of like the planning, planning, planning is you're at the same time you're planning, the expectations get higher and higher and higher and higher because you've planned all this stuff out, like it should go perfectly to plan. And you're you've imagined this beautiful new life for yourself. And you know, like you said, the reality of it is that the the crap that bothered you in the life before is probably still going to be there in your new life. Um, That makes that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah, so what's exactly? Yeah. So what's the vision for click minded today? Where are you guys headed next? Yeah, so we are trying to sort of figure out the next uh the next angle we want to take on this the core business is is doing great we we have that sorted after many 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 mistakes um but we're now trying to figure out like are we going to be grown-ups and be a big company like you know enterprise selling and like messaging fortune 500 companies or do we want to go head-to-head with universities that we think are fraudulently scamming 22 year olds into signing up for master's degrees they don't need um but the basic idea is yeah, we, we just really dialed into this product that we wanted for ourselves. We're, we're geeks. We're digital marketing geeks. We created a lot of these cheat sheets and checklists and templates and tutorials and walkthroughs on how to implement nerdy digital marketing tactics. We love our product because we, we use it every day and we're just rallying up more people that that want to use our tools and our, our, our tutorials to grow their business. So um, what I found over the last years is that whenever we veer off that path, Whenever we, we like, when we're building stuff for ourselves, everything just seems to work. Everything seems to fall into 
place. But when we start to do, you know, going to Google Sheets and do like total addressable market sizing and like downloading the white papers from McKinsey about like how much agencies are making in revenue this year, it always, I always mess it up. Like I always, I always get grumpy about it. I'm not passionate about it. And even though like there could be a bunch of money involved, I always fumble it. So, um, what we found is like the good cadence for us is just kind of work on the stuff that that makes us it's really hallmarky and dorky to say this but like the stuff that makes us feel good and that gets us excited and the rest just seems to to fall in place right now so wherever that ends up taking us um we'll see where it goes that's amazing tommy griffith that seems like a perfect place to leave this conversation thank you so much for giving us the the inside scoop on how you kept going through those challenges and all the amazing things that you've been able to create um on the other side of it yeah thanks so much for having me on the show i really appreciate it Find out more about Tommy Griffith and ClickMinded at clickminded.com. So what's really working to run and grow a small business today? If you're like me, that's the question you ask yourself every single day. Well, the team at What Works and I have made it our mission to gather the stories of people who are making it work and the resources that are helping them do it and deliver them to you each week in the What Works Weekly newsletter. You'll get all those hand-selected finds, plus my own reflections on business and life as an entrepreneur every Thursday when you subscribe free of charge. Go to explorewhatworks.com to join us free. That's explorewhatworks.com. What Works is a production of Yellow House Media. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 240 more candid conversations with small business owners and subscribe to our weekly newsletter at explorewhatworks.com.